this morning, and I think we're on live, so all those at home, welcome. We're going to get after here. It's 12.05, is it really? Gosh. Um, awesome. Well, here we go. Worship team, can y'all come out of there, please? No, they're not in trouble. It's just <laughs> distracting everyone in that green room over there. I would like everybody to please come out of there. All right. I feel like I've had something in my heart all week that I wanted to share, and I feel like the Lord just gave me some of the pieces here in worship, so here we go. Um, when, when I was preparing this week, I, I, don't, I feel like the church, a lot of my life, has been like an ostrich that has stuck its head in the sand anytime it's time to address things that need to be addressed and recognized, and they're like, well, if we just hang in there, we'll get through it. And the church is never meant to be hanging in there or get through it. It's supposed to lead the way. Yes? And if you don't believe me, it actually says that the church is going to be the joy of all the nations. And, and that means that they're going to be offering something that the nations don't know or have, and they're going to just go launch into that. All right, got to stop real quick. Sorry, I feel like the Lord is telling me, sir, right here, the maroon shirt. We've never met before, right? Have you ever been here before? Okay, I didn't think so. Uh, I just felt like the Lord wants me to tell you that that He's digging old and new wells in you right now, and like He's not going to let me say anything else till I say that to you. Old and new wells, and when they come out, they're going to be sweet for this generation. And I don't know what your past is, and I felt like there's been some some declaration that that you are not carrying what you need to be carrying. But I want to tell you, this is the season. This is the season for what that water that's coming out. It's going to be water of life. It's going to come to you and your wife first, and then it's going to get really messy all around you in a good way. And so we just bless you. We bless those wells. We bless what God is doing in you. And I just say the old breakthroughs and life and encounters with God, they're about to feel like they happened right now. So we just bless you. Come on, then. Well, he wasn't going to let you get out of here without one. So I was talking about the church. Here we go. At 22 minutes and... I felt like God just began to show me this crazy thing. He was like, hey, the church is, I'm, I'm preparing the church. And what's interesting is we, we have all these prophecies about revival and reformation and it's time. And then 2020 comes, you know, and then you read online, like everybody's calling for prophets that missed it to own up to it, which I'm cool with some of that as well. Yes. If we're going to be a mature prophetic people, we have to be willing to say sometimes we miss it. But I think there's also sometimes we're actually warring for what God has said. Yes? We're warring for the very promises of God. And I felt like we're literally in the environment of our nation right now, like in the environment in, I think it's 14, where it's time to go into the inheritance, into the promised land. And there's a whole lot of other reports and discouragement around. And I heard the Lord in the, and just right before I walked in here, it was crazy. He said, hey, I need a different spirited people. I need a different spirited people. It's easy to go with the flow right now. It's easy to, to incite a whole bunch of people that God's not for us and this isn't our promise and revival's not going to happen and the church is not going to lead the way. It's easy. And, and then you get into, oh man, the church has lost its relevance in, in society and all these things and, and, 
yeah, God is reforming and moving. He's even using this pressure to help us get better. But we can't lose sight of the fact of the promise to us. Hey, I have an inheritance for you as God's people. I'm talking to you today as a community of God's people. And he's saying, I have a promise for you, but the only way you'll live in it is to have a different spirit. The entire generation of Israel that got caught up in everything that the world was saying, doing, and offering missed it. And they had been promised the inheritance. Now God is good, so He gave it to their children. But I want to tell us, we are in a generational shift right now. Well, will we be a different spirited people who understand what God says this about Caleb? It says, He will live in the land because He has a different spirit. And it's really interesting when God is talking about the tribes and and numbers, He says, listen, they were discouraged by your report. They were discouraged by your report. So the first thing I want to challenge you in is, how is your report? Is it encouraging or discouraging people? And I'm telling you, we got to be a people to lay down opinion in this season and say, what is God saying? What is He doing? And that's what we're going to talk about. Because opinion is killing the church. I just want to say that it's killing God's Word because everybody has an opinion on what's going on and God's saying, I do too and mine rules. And I need a different spirit. See, because the opinion of the people then was, God's not for us, there's giants. God said, we have this inheritance, and now it looks like work. God said, this is for us, but when we go there, it's too hard. And it says they were discouraged. And not only were they discouraged, they discouraged those around them. It's really interesting. Do you know what happened to the other ten spies? It says, plague came on them and they died. Why? Because they could not lift their head up to catch. And listen, Caleb was telling them, hey guys, you don't even have the right report, but I do hang with me and we'll go there. And they rejected it. And I'm telling you, God is calling us to a different spirit today. A different spirit that says, hey, we will be a people who speak life and destiny. And listen, this is not about, I mean, there's been so much talk about the nation. And I believe that God wants to raise up the church in our in this nation and do something beautiful again. But even if America doesn't come around, the church is going to rise up. And and so and and that freaks a lot of people out, but listen, my destiny is not tied to any election. It's just not. My destiny is tied to the word of the Lord. Am I going to be a different spirited people? Or I'm going to let Facebook write my destiny. Am I going to be a different spirited people? Or am I going to let conspiracy theory and and political preference write my destiny? Why am I talking about that? Because it's on us right now. And if we're not careful, we won't recognize that we are missing the offer of heaven for another inheritance, a new inheritance. And he's saying, I need a different spirited people. So if we're the only ones, it's okay. If you're the only one standing in your workplace saying, I'm believing God's going to do something good. If you're the only one in in your circle of community saying, God's for us, who can be against us? Let me tell you, that's God's Word. That's the Word of the Lord. And it will determine where you live. See, because a few books later, 
Joshua is coming, uh, Caleb is coming up to Joshua and saying, hey, remember that promise? It's time to live there. We've been, we've been so instant that we have to realize that's 45 years later. He's saying, I'm ready for my inheritance. It's a different spirited people. So how do we overcome discouragement? Listen, I believe this, that we are in the greatest test of the church in America in a long time. And it's to understand that there's an atmosphere of discouragement and heaviness and battle and, and all these things. I can list a million things, but the truth is the spirit of it is to steal what God is wanting to do in you, in His church, and in our land. We have to recognize it. We have to understand it. How do we respond in it? How do we not just stick our head in the sand and say, man, if only 50 of us make it, at least 50 of No, come on, where we rise up and say, no, this is our opportunity. And I'm not just talking about evangelism, even though that's a huge piece. I'm talking about a spirit rising up where people look and see and say they're carrying something. Because the difference in the new covenant is as we rise up, not like Caleb where God says, hey, I have to cut them off and only you make it. God's saying, I'm still wanting everyone to make it. If you don't believe me, Titus says the grace of God has appeared to all men. He's still giving grace. He's giving grace. Even the ones that are rejecting Him right now, He's saying, I've got more grace to offer because of Jesus. And how do we deal with this discouragement atmosphere? Well, I believe the Lord just spoke to me and He said, David encouraged himself in the Lord or strengthened himself in the Lord. He spoke that to me. He said, hey, this is how you're going to respond. So just turn with me to 1 Samuel 30. We're going to do five things real quick. You, you may be sitting there singing, oh, this isn't for me. I'm not discouraged. I'm really not talking about your internal atmosphere. But if you are discouraged, I'm talking to you. But I'm talking to everyone in the room because let me tell you, outside of these four walls, discouragement, fear, and heaviness is everywhere. I talked to a young man at a wedding the other night, and he was like, man, I'm just, I'm so discouraged. It's the first words out of his mouth. I said, hey, how are you? I've never met him. He said, I feel like I'm going to lose my job. He goes, I don't really have, I mean, I can't pay my rent. And he goes, and I just turned to him and said, hey. And I didn't know what to say, and just t- God said, tell him I'm good. And I said, hey, God just wants you to know he's good. And he teared up, and he goes, yeah, I've been thinking that. What's God doing? God's stirring something up in him, but he needed someone to come and give him another encouragement. I want to tell you, outside of your even maybe your home environment, there are people who need a different spirit to rise up. So the first thing, this is the context. David actually been out warring, and then he goes to help the Philistines. The Philistines are so afraid of David. They're like, no, we don't want your help. They send him home. Well, while... He's out doing what God had called him to do. The enemy swooped in. He lived in Ziglag. It takes all the plunder of Ziglag, everything that they had been working for for years. I want to give it in real context. His wives, his children, his herds, his houses, everything they had been working for was gone like that. They get to Ziglag and it's burned down and everything is gone. And the same mighty men that we read about and preach about are ready to stone David. That's what discouragement does. It takes amazing people and tries to kill their spirit so that they do poor things. And these, these, these guys are, it says that they're bitter of soul. 
And they're David's closest friends. The ones he's been living life with, community, warring for. They've gone from being the, the discouraged and the discontent to the mighty men. And they're ready to kill him. Why? Because they don't understand the atmosphere of what's going on around them. So here's the first thing. You thought I was going to start with strengthening yourself in the Lord. Actually, the first thing is we have to understand the scheme of the enemy. We have to understand the scheme of the enemy. Doesn't mean you have to understand every facet and read everything. It means get with God and say, God, in Ephesians it tells me, be aware of the schemes of the enemy. Be aware of them. And I want to know what the enemy is trying to do against me and what he's trying to do against our church community and what he's trying to do against our city and what's he trying to do against our nation. What are the schemes of the enemy? Why? Because we recognize right here that the schemes of the enemy, first of all, is that David had to strengthen himself in the Lord. The first thing was the enemy was trying to take their strength, trying to take their vigor to pursue what God... Listen, David was known for being able to find himself in the Lord and go do what God had called him to do. But he gets here and it says they're exhausted and overwhelmed. And they had to recognize, he had to recognize, wait a minute, this is the scheme of my enemy. This is not God punishing me. This is not God's plan for my life. I'm going to say it again. This is not God's plan for our life. And he's saying, I, I wait, I've got to recognize this. The second one, and this one's really interesting, and I feel like God told me to mention it, is it says that they were bitter of soul. And, and the word bitter in the Hebrew is mara, and if we know the story, when the children of Israel came first over the Red Sea, they get to a place that looks like an oasis, they go to drink the water, and they say, oh, bitter, and they call it mara. And the Lord began to, to be, speak to me about bitterness, and I feel like he wanted me to talk about it for a minute because I felt like that one of the things that the enemy is trying to do in this season, in the church, is make the church bitter. The word mara in the Hebrew actually means a trickle. And I felt like the Lord began to show me how bitterness tries to take root is through a trickle of disappointment. A trickle of disappointment. Oh, I got disappointed there. And instead of letting the Lord heal us, we hold on to that disappointment. The next thing you know, it's beginning, if we understand Hebrews, then that bitter root begins to defile many. It's disappointment in what maybe what we thought. I wrote this down. It's not what we expected. So we begin to get bitter. Imagine kneeling down to take that drink of water after you're coming out of the desert. You drink it. Whoa! Amazing story. God speaks to Moses and says, hey, see that tree over there? It's the same word that it says that Jesus was hung on a tree. He says, take that tree, cut it down, throw it in the water. I'm going to make it sweet. And they changed the name from Mara to Pleasant. From bitterness to pleasant. And I feel like as a church, a different spirited people are going to say, even the things that are trying to work bitterness in me and disappointment and disillusion, God has already cut a tree. And he has thrown it in the water and it has made it pleasant and sweet. And he's saying, what are you going to do? Are you going to drink from Mara? Are you going to drink from Naomi or pleasant? Are you going to drink from which cup are you going to drink from? And I feel like this is the main thing he wanted me to hit on today. Be careful that you're not letting the trickle of other news and the trickle 
of other people's opinions and the trickle of a bad report and the trickle that there's giants in the land and the government's falling and the church is not doing a good job. A trickle of all these things and the next thing you know, you're drinking out of a bitter cup. Know your enemy. There's no one in here that's your enemy. You may be the highest conservative gun-toting and you may be the highest liberal in here and you are not enemies. And we got to get over this. Listen, it's tearing the church apart. God is saying, hey, you got to lay some of that junk down. It's garbage. It's the same spirit that crucified Jesus. The same political spirit. Why? Because Judas was bitter that Jesus was not politically acting the way he wanted to. He's saying, whoa, you're being pretty political. No, I'm being the opposite. I'm telling you not to be. The same spirit that put Jesus on a cross was a bitter political spirit that said, oh man, he's not here what I want. And many of us are saying to Jesus right now, you're not doing what I want. And he's saying, no, I need you to do what I'm doing. Because when the rest of the disciples figured out that this was a supernatural kingdom, they were like, way better, way better, way better. It's eternal. It's not for this generation. They all of a sudden realized, oh my goodness, He came and redeemed everyone. Not just this generation of Israelites. See, that's better. And most of what we're demanding in our political stance is a now view of life. And God is saying, I've got better. I've got eternal portion I want to give you. Now, yeah, I'll just leave it there. I'm just, I just want you to be so careful to know your enemy. And then it says he strengthened himself in the Lord. Verse 6, verse Samuel 30. It says, it says, David was greatly distressed because those mighty men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. What? Because of the future. Because of the view of... How can it go on? How can our line go on? How can God establish if we don't even have sons and daughters? And what's David do? He doesn't try to answer them. He says, but he found strength. Or he strengthened himself. I like the King James there. It says he strengthened himself in the Lord. How do we do that? I want to tell you, take heart. Two weeks ago I ministered on take heart. I want to tell you, he took heart. He took heart to a better message. He took heart to begin to see what God was doing. He took heart and began to let God pour in what he could not create on his own. He had no, nothing left to give. And he went and he said, God, here I am. And God said, oh, here I am. And I'm going to strengthen you. And then what happens? Out of that, he starts asking good questions. Should I pursue him? Are you with us? God says, yes and yes. Oftentimes, I believe we, take, we ask for direction before we ask for strengthening from the Lord. So we make decisions out of brokenness and disaster. And God's saying, no, I need you to get strong in me. And then I'll give you, I'll give you clarity and direction. He's got direction for every one of you. Financially, I think Spencer mentioned, he's doing the offer. Everyone in here is in a different financial state. Listen, start with strengthening yourself in the Lord. He'll tell you exactly what you need to do financially. He's asking us to do something crazy right now. And I'm like, God, are you sure? And he's like, am I for you or against you? You're like, for us. Should we hunker down, hold that? No, go for it. See, it's, it's about that place of strengthening. It says this, it says in, in Psalms 27, 14, it says, take heart, 
the actual Hebrew word, take heart, I'm going to quote it correctly. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart. Wait on the Lord. Y'all know the word wait right there doesn't mean just sit around and twiddle your thumbs. It means to twist yourself with Him. Get entwined with God. Get all tangled up with Him. Say it, man. It actually means that when they, they would bind themselves to someone and say, you and I are going nowhere apart. You have to bind yourself to God in this time and say, I'm gonna, not going anywhere. You and me, we're bound together in this. Wait for the Lord. Take heart. Get strengthened. How do you do that? You just, you just get in there and wrap yourself around Him and say, you have the answers. Say, well, give me something more. I'm giving you the key. And you've got to live it out. God has something so beautiful for you in this season. He's saying, I want to strengthen you. I want to do these next ones, so I'm going to be quick. The third thing of how do we respond in discouragement is we overcome what looks like setbacks. We push through them. So God speaks to him and says, hey, go, the enemy's yours. The next verse, it says they start going with 600 men, but 200 of them are so exhausted they can't go on. They, they, they can't do it. Now, I don't know if they were just being weak. The athlete in me says, man, a bunch of babies. But maybe they had been the ones fighting harder in the first place. And the other 400 had been like kind of sitting back. And when it came time to pursue again, they were like, we got nothing left. And I think there's moments where all of us have had that time. We're like, man, we got nothing left. But I love it that God didn't rebuke them, nor did He stop the plan. And I think it's really important right now that we have to understand that there's some people that may not get everything that God is doing right now and you, we are not to judge them. Say, we, man, I, I've seen more garbage in this last three months of people in the church accusing other people who are like, well, that's just weak. Like, no, maybe God's not asking them to fight your battle. I'm not saying the 200 had to go or didn't have to go, but I know God wasn't worried by it. And you have to recognize it, that it looked like a natural setback, like, hey, I'm going to give a third of my army to rest. But instead, David said, let's press forward. I got a whole lot more on that, but I'm just going to jump to the next one. Number four. See, we had to understand the schemes of the enemy, the first one. You have to strengthen yourself in the Lord. You have to overcome what may look like setbacks. You have to know your enemy. Because the next verse is, it says, they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David. Now, I was going to jump over this and I said, why are you jumping over that? That's actually probably the most important part. I gave them the key to victory in someone that did not look like they would be a partner. I took a slave from Egypt and gave him the answers for what they needed. The easy solution would have been they came upon an Egyptian and they slew him. And I believe that that's the church world we've been living in in this season is anything that feels like an enemy, we just go to cut it off. Listen, I'm, I'm going to say it now very serious. We have to be careful that we know our enemy is the devil. And that the people that don't look like they match us or, or have walked with us in the past or could look like they could offer anything to us like a slave from Egypt may be carrying the very solution that we need. Instead of cutting things off, David says, hey, give him cake, 
Give him water. Strengthen him. Give him what he needs. It didn't say that he knew anything yet. It was how David treated him that brought forth the solution. And the Lord has really been speaking to me. He's like, we are in the most important season of American church on how we treat people. How we treat people outside the church. How we treat people in the church. Why? I don't need anyone to know anyone by a worldly point of view right now. I need them to be like in Corinthians. I know no one by a worldly point of view. I know them by the Spirit. And I know I don't know everything about them, but something in me says they may be carrying something from God for me. And even if they're not, I will give them cake and I will give them water, and I will say, be strong, and partner with me, and come with me. Why? Because you're valuable. Even though you're an Egyptian, and you're a slave, and we don't really have never had place for you before, welcome. How we treat people in this season, I'm going to read you something in a minute, will determine our destiny for generations. You know what the Lord's been having me read about? The church in Nazi Germany before the war. I've been holding a lot of it on the inside, but man, I'm telling you, if we're not careful, how do I say this? If we're not careful, we will respond much like that church. Why? Because it was never about people. If they had taken an approach about people and about Jews and about love and about God's people instead of separation, I believe there would have been a different outcome because of the church. And, and God's just been saying, how are you going to treat people? How are you going to treat the people you don't agree with? How are you going to treat the people that definitely don't agree with you? How are you going to treat the people that, that are prophesying opposite of what you're believing for? How are you going to treat them? Love. How are you going to treat people? How are you going to, are you going to give them a cake and give them a water when they're weary or say, man, you've earned that. You've just earned your weariness. You've earned it by your poor belief system. Or are you going to come and say, no, come on, we are for each other. Why? Because you're made in the image of God, and so am I. See, it's, it's even easier to say, well, I'll agree with the church. I'll lay down my beliefs. What about love in the world? Say, well, no, we have to take a stand. Love will be our stand. How we treat people. Why? Because four verses later, the Egyptian is telling them where the Amalekites are hiding. He's telling them, hey, you know what's been stolen from you? I saw it all, and I know where it's at. Follow me. David probably thought that was a good investment, some figs and some water. It says they go and they get there and the enemy is reveling in everything he took from them. They're partying and reveling and saying, ha, ah, the church, it messed up. We took everything while they weren't watching. I love what it says. David turned to his men and said, God has given them into our hands. It says they fought from dusk till dusk the next day. And I don't understand why, but it says a few young men got away on camp but everybody else died. Everybody else was part of the plunder of God's hand. Let me read you what it says. I have it underlined. It says, David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken, including his two wives. Nothing was missing. Young, old, boys or girls, plunder, or anything else that had been taken. David brought everything back. And the word, in all those words in Hebrew, they only have one word for it. All, 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 everything. Why? Because God wants everything back, but it will be determined by His people and how they receive what He's doing. Quiet in here. But I'm telling you, how are we going to respond in a discouraged atmosphere? 
How are we going to be a people who recognize, wait, we're getting everything back. We're going for, man, the enemy wants to take away God's children, his people, the pre-believers. No, we're going to get them all back. If you're not believing for a whole generation, I want to tell you, lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. Let's believe for a whole generation to encounter Jesus. Like, man, I'm not okay with the 10%. Like, well, we're getting 10%. We're doing pretty good. 10%? Jesus died for all of them. Lift up your eyes. Everything was brought back. Nothing was missing. Everything was restored. Why? Because of how they treated one Egyptian. How are we treating people? This is a heart check now. How are we treating people? People that disagree with you, how are you treating them? If you won, you probably lost. That's what I've already learned in this environment. If you think you won, you probably lost. The truth is, in the natural, we're in a lose-lose. But in the supernatural, and we embrace what God is saying and doing, we will stand in five and ten years and say, look what God has done. Look what God has done. Last one. I'm already eight minutes over. Okay. We had angels all around this morning. They gave me permission. Last one. And I already, this one is kind of a piece of number four, but I made it its own. How we treat people will determine the amount of impact the season brought in our lives. And this is a different people. I was talking about those maybe we didn't have anything in common with. But it says then they're coming back with all this plunder. It must have been amazing the amount of plunder. Because it's one of the most times in Scripture where it just talks about the incredible amount of plunder that happened. So not only did they get everything back, but it sounds like they got everything the Amalekites had been stealing from everybody else too. They got it all back, and they're coming, and they get to those 200 that didn't go with them. And they throw them a token. Say, hey, you can have your wives and your kids back, but all this plunder, you don't get any of it because you didn't go with us. And it's such an amazing thing, I believe, because David had been in there with the presence of the Lord and caught the heart of God, what he was doing. He said, whoa, whoa, whoa. No. Everyone is going to divide the plunder equally. Whether you went and fought or whether you didn't, whether you didn't have the strength to go and do this fight, you're going to get the plunder of the kingdom anyway. And you're going to receive And it says this, it was so powerful from that day on, and it even says, until this day in Jerusalem. This is the law of the land. That everyone that fought receives the plunder together. I mean, everyone in the army, whether you fought or you didn't. And I just felt like it was so important. Again, a place of unity in the church. Now I'm talking about the church. A place of unity that says we're all getting the plunder together. And, you know, we have to be careful that we we don't think that we have something better. You know, like, well, I mean, I grew up in a church, and and the church environment was like, well, you know, we got the gift of the Spirit, and they don't. They're still God's people. And the minute we begin to create classes in the kingdom, we have made it a natural thing, and it's supernatural. It's where God can take and say, hey, You're going to love this person that has nothing in common with you, and then y'all are going to share the plunder together. You're going to take these ones that you look like they failed you, and you're going to love them and give them the plunder. Not just a token, hey, here's your kids and wife back. 
No, you're going to gladly say, even if they don't share, I will share. Here's mine. Why? Because I read about in the New Testament that everything was in common. And they were making every effort to be in unity. Why? Because they recognized without unity, there's no life forevermore. There's no blessing of God. And we've got to be a people in this room. I'm talking about in this room. Are we unified to such a place where we say, man, it doesn't matter what anyone believes, whether what fighting level they're at right now, whether they're exhausted or they're killing giants, I'm with them. I'm for them. And I'm going to give them my plunder if that's what it takes. I'll give them what I have. We'll share everything in common. Why? Because how we treat people, generations later, they'll keep doing it. They'll keep sharing the plunder. They'll keep not having to reestablish. Should we give them the plunder or not? No, like, no. This was established generations ago. See, in Hill Country, generations ago, it was decided we'll pursue the Lord with everything in us. Have we done it with all of our heart? We've done our best. I used to really talk about the dip, but I will not talk about it anymore because they're going to get the plunder of what we get. What am I saying? We have to recognize what we're doing is eternal. And how we're living and treating people right now is establishing things for generations. They'll look and they'll be like, how do we know there's angels all around? And we'll say, well, in this generation, they recognize that God was fighting for us and with us on our behalf. And so we know how to live with the angelic. How do we know how to get into God's presence? Because in this generation, they all came together in unity and in one accord. And just like in Acts 2, God would show up in their meetings. Why? Because of one accord. And you set a tone for generation to generation. And then say you look at that generation and say, now do better than us. Now do more than us. But these are our foundational breakthroughs. Why is that so important? Because it gives you a perspective of now that's bigger than this crazy environment we got all these walls. It gives you an internal perspective. Let me end with this. I may or may not have quoted this verse during our times on video, but I was like, God, how do you want me to end this in the middle of worship? And he spoke to me again what he told me when I was walking into prayer. He said, I'm enlarging hearts today. I'm in enlarging hearts to hold a bigger message. To hold a bigger message than what's going on out these walls. I'm going to give them a heaven's perspective today. And I'm going to enlarge hearts to hold it. I'm going to enlarge hearts. See if we think, well, man, my heart's pretty good. No, you need an enlarged heart to hold what we talked about this morning. You need an enlarged heart that says, that's the big picture. And i got to get out from under the small picture and get the big picture on the inside of me. He's enlarging hearts today. And I thought of this verse. It's actually about Saul. When he was set in his king, it says, Saul also went home to Gibeah, accompanied by valiant men and women whose hearts had been touched. I thought of that verse and I thought, man, there's going to be a valiant people that go out these doors today. So if you feel like God is touching your heart right now, enlarging you to live above even this atmosphere, I'm going to ask you to stand up. If you feel Him doing it in you right now, saying, oh man, I've got something happening on the inside of me. I'm ready to be, I'm ready to have a valiant look on this perspective of, of even what's going on in 2020.
whose heart has been stirred by what God is saying and doing. Maybe it didn't happen now. Maybe it's been happening in you the last few weeks. You're saying, I will respond to what God is doing in my life right now. Why? Because they're going somewhere with Saul. Something happened in them and they just said, we're going with him. And some of us are, are, have got something going on and we've got to go on that road trip with God. We've got to go on that road trip and say, I'm getting in the car. I don't know where we're going, but it's going to be good. He's got the map and he's got the keys. I saw it today. I saw our hearts getting bigger. Mike Stewart, I'm just going to say this in the middle of worship. I saw you taking an axe out of a closet and polishing it and sharpening it again. And he just said, what he's doing in your heart right now is for ministry. It's for ministry. Not like we tear down all the garbage that comes out with that word. You will be one who ministers wildly in this next season with a different perspective. And I just saw, and I saw the axe. I felt like it was about clearing land. I felt like it was, it's time to clear land. You're good at that. I've been with you many times. You're good at clearing land. It's time to clear land in the kingdom. Just put it in your hand today. Yeah, we're just going to strengthen ourselves in the Lord right now. I'm so glad we live in a better covenant. I don't have to call forth for the priest to bring the ephod. The Urim and the Thurim are on the inside of you. God is just wanting you just to just allow, just lean into Him again, just like we did in worship. Just lean in right now. Allow Him to begin to increase your heart, increase your borders, increase your perspective, increase your love. Increase your ability to hear His voice. Decrease the chatter. Decrease the discouraging words. Hey, I just want to tell you, there are giants where we're going. There are portion. There are portion. Like David said, is there not a cause? I'm not offering you giant-free territory. I'm just saying, with the Word of the Lord, it just puts them on the menu. So we just lean right into you right now, Jesus. We strengthen ourselves in you. We strengthen ourselves in you. So do I need to feel anything? No. But if you are, just let it stir up. Just receive the strengthening of the Holy Spirit right now in our lives. Some of you, again, I say take heart. Take heart. Those of you watching at home, you just feel just a little overwhelmed. Take heart. And let your living room be filled with the presence of the Lord right now. Here's what I want to do. Now, can you all just participate in something I'm passionate about for a second? That I don't have a clarity that this is the word of the Lord exactly for what we're supposed to do. But I know it's in me. I just want to bless the church. I heard multiple people this week say, man, I don't know what God's going to do with the church in America. And they weren't saying it like, oh, it's going to be so good. You know? And, and I, I just believe God is saying, no, the hope of the nations, the church, let's say a Reformed church, full of the Holy Ghost. Listen, we're not here to play games. And I just, I want to bless the church in America and the world. I want to bless our friends. I, I, Close my eyes to see our friends in Ukraine and Belgium and Denmark. They're fighting, fighting to have the church to have influence in their nation. So we just bless your bride right now, God.
Here's what I want to bless her with. I bless her with power. I bless her with power. Power and love. Let this be a season where we look back on the church and the world and say, power and love came in the church. Power and love. Radical love and extraordinary power. And so we bless the church of God right now. We bless it in our city. We bless it in our region. We bless it in our state. We bless it in our nation. We bless it globally. We say, church of God, rise up. Let God arise and our enemies be scattered. Let God arise. We say to the church in, that, that is destined to walk in inheritance, we say, go out and meet the giants. Go out and meet the giants. If God is for us, who can be against us? And I say to you right now, in your life, right where you're at, you are the church. So I say, go be mighty. Go be powerful. Go be full of the Holy Ghost. Go carry solutions. Go carry compassion. Go carry love. Go carry fig cakes and water for people that need it. I just bless you now in the name of Jesus. We stand against real clearly the plan of the enemy. We stand against you. We will stand, not sit. We will stand against you. We stand. And when we've done all we know to do, we stand. I just bless you guys in the name of Jesus. We bless this room. We say it's a fear-free zone. It's a fear-free zone. And what do I mean by that? I mean that we will not be afraid of the future. We will not be afraid of even the fall. Let's get right to it. We will not be afraid. We will not be afraid of those that... Where is everybody? They're coming. They're coming back. We're not afraid. They're coming back alive. Fully alive in Jesus. So we just bless you guys. I bless your minds this week. I see the helmet of salvation on you. Guarding your minds. I bless your hands. The sword of the Spirit and the shield of faith in your hands to do war this week. Bless you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask the altar team to come up. If you need prayer for anything at all today, we'd love to pray with you. Uh, If you're new with us and haven't met our senior leaders, Tim and Elizabeth Darnell, they're going to be straight out the back doors right there. And otherwise, like Tim said, just go and be a blessing this week. Just let the gospel flow out of you.